0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the new podcast, The Lord's Word with Lo. I am your host, Lo. I'm honored and grateful that you have decided to join me on this podcast. Your presence here is truly inspiring, and I feel blessed to share this journey with you. So just a little bit of a background about how this podcast came to be. So this idea came to me when I was attending a class on Sunday mornings at my church with my pastor's wife. So our class had the opportunity to read the Bible from cover to cover, which is Genesis all the way to Revelation. And this is something I've never done before in my Christian walk with the Lord. So in this class, my fellow peers um, I got different perspectives from them, as well as learning things that happened in other parts of the world during these times of, of the Bible. And then I also got a fresh look at the biblical accounts that I was already familiar with when I was a child. Now, you're going to hear me refer to this term accounts a lot in in this podcast and in this, in the whole series here. Because the Word of God is not a collection of fictional events, but it's more of a historical event, which means everything that has been written in the Bible, it did happen and it has historical reasons. So this podcast is going to be helping us get closer to God through His Word, because as everyone has probably seen on television or by read and the news, either online or on the pap- in the papers, that we are living in trying times. And I hope that this podcast will encourage you as it has encouraged me, and I hope that you will learn something from these episodes that you didn't know, just like I learned in my class. So this podcast is going to include some great uh, guest speakers that we're going to join us on this wonderful podcast here to help guide us on our journey. So the very first book that we're going to talk about is Genesis. Now, please don't worry if you have not read Genesis. Hopefully, by listening to this episode, it will help make the reading helpful. And I just wanted to remind everybody that at the end of this segment, I'm going to give you guys some insight on what was happening in the world during the time of Genesis. So let's begin, shall we? In the beginning, God created everything that we see today. The sun, the moon, the stars, the lions, the tigers, the bears, the creepy crawly insects that we see, or even the creepy crawly animals, the birds. He created us last. He wanted to create us in in his own image because he wanted us to be like him. Adam, which is man, was created by God. But after seeing Adam, God saw that he was lonely, so he decided to put him into a deep sleep and took a piece of rib from his body and create a woman, who was later called Eve. So God gave them dominion over the Garden of Eden, but only had one rule for them to follow, and that was to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in that day that they did, they would surely die. Now, please note here that God never said to not touch the fruit. He only said to not eat of the fruit. Now, Eve was the one who said it when she was misquoting God in chapter 3, verse 3. A serpent, which was Satan, came and convinced the woman, Eve, to eat the fruit by telling her, You're not going to die you're just going to be more like God if you eat the fruit. So after she ate the fruit, she gave some to Adam, which was her husband, who was with her. And he ate it. And then their eyes were opened to their rebellion and sin. Think of it this way. It's like a deaf person gaining their hearing back, but all they hear is screaming. So as a result of this rebellion and sin, God cast them out of the garden and told the serpent to crawl in his belly from here on out. But God also gave Adam and Eve a promise that one day, one of their offspring, which would be Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent. So Adam and Eve left the garden. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel both offered sacrifices to God. Abel's offering was made in faith in a desire to worship God in spirit and in truth. Cain's offering, well, see, his was more made out of obligation and just didn't really meet the expectations of the atonement of the sin. It was basically insufficient to Abel's. So when God did not look upon Cain's offering with favor as he did with Abel's, Cain became very angry and jealous of Abel. God tried to tell Cain and teach him to do better and get a hold of his anger because of the temptation to sin. But did Cain really listen? No, he didn't. Because he didn't listen, he ended up killing Abel. God was very displeased with Cain and what he had done, and he cursed Cain for his crime. But God gave Adam and Eve another son named Seth to heal their grief and loss of Abel. Now, one of Seth's descendants was Noah. Now, you have to understand, during Noah's time, the Bible says that the human race had become so wicked that God was deeply troubled and regretted creating man. He decided to destroy his creation by flooding the whole earth. But Noah was a righteous man who found favor with God. So God told Noah to build an ark to save his family and two of each kind of animal, both male and female, to start over. So God gave Noah specific instructions for building the ark so it would hold all the animals and his family. Well, you're probably wondering, well, Lo, how big was this ark? Because it has to fill all the animals and his entire family. Well, the ark had three decks. The Bible measures it in cubits, but in my study Bible, it says that it was approximately 450 feet long, 75 feet wide. And forty-five feet high. So during the time of the flood, Noah has sent a raven, and then a dove, to check and see if the waters had receded, or and if the if the earth dried up. Well, he didn't get any results until finally on the three hundred and seventieth day, the water had dried up and the earth was dry again. Have you ever wondered? What the rainbow means when after a, a rainstorm. Well, I'm going to tell you what that rainbow symbolizes. So God made a covenant to Noah and placed a rainbow in the sky as a symbol and a reminder of his promise to never destroy the earth with a flood again. Pretty cool, huh? Okay, so we're going to talk about the account of Abraham and Sarah. Now, This account is all about the foundation of faith. They were formerly known as Abram and Sarai before their names were changed. And they were instructed by God to leave their home and to go to a land God would show them. They didn't know where they were going. They just followed God and trusted God. God also promised Abraham that Abraham's descendants would be as the stars in the sky and the sand on the earth. Well, basically too many to count. You can't count all the stars, you can't count all the sand in the earth. That's just, that's a lot. <laughs> but as time went by, Sarah and Adam, Sarah and Adam, oh my goodness, Sarah and Abraham were getting older. And Sarah was way past the age of childbearing. Well, Sarah laughed at the at the notion of having a child in an old age. You got to think, Abraham was 100 years old, and she was only 90. So, when the Lord told Abraham that she was going to have a child, obviously, again, she laughed at it, but the Lord heard her laugh and said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Might drop. So, when their son was born, he was named Isaac, and Isaac means one who laughs. Though Abraham and Sarah encountered many challenges and obstacles, they remained faithful to God and became the parents of a great nation. Now, this account of Abraham and Sarah is so encouraging to me because it means that God is faithful and nothing is impossible with him. Well, let's find out what happened with Isaac. Well, so Isaac grew up and married Rebecca. It was love at first sight for Isaac. Then as they got a little older they had twin sons, Esau and Jacob. Now the Bible says that they struggled in the womb, and the struggle continued on even after they were born. So Esau was the firstborn, and Isaac's favorite, or daddy's boy, and Jacob came after and was Rebekah's favorite, mama's boy. Because Isaac was... No, Isaac, because Esau was born first. He had the rights to the blessings and property of the firstborn. So, one day after a day full of hunting, Esau came home very hungry. Jacob was cooking stew, and Esau asked for some to be brought quick because he was so hungry. Like, I'm going to die. But Jacob, being very crafty and sneaky, told Esau, okay. I'll give you your stew. Sell me your birthright. Well, because Esau was so hangry and felt he would die without the food, he foolishly agreed. Now, think about this for a second. Isn't it odd that Esau would trade something so important, which is the birthright, for something so insignificant like a bowl of stew? Ponder for that for just a few minutes. Now, when Isaac was old, his eyesight became so poor that he couldn't see. He called for Esau to give him his firstborn blessing. Isaac sent him to go get some game, or get some meat, and prepare a favorite meal, and then he would bless him. So Rebekah overheard this conversation, and while Esau was gone, she urged Jacob to take Esau's place. So what she did was she prepared the meal and covered Jacob in the hair of an animal so he would be more like his brother. Jacob took the meal to his father and stole the blessing due to his older brother Esau. Well, when Esau returned, Isaac realized that he was deceived. But unfortunately, he had to tell Esau that I can only give you a leftover blessing. Well, chapter 27, verse 38 says that Esau wept aloud. Esau held a grudge against Jacob and plotted to kill him after his father passed away. Rebecca was told about this 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 terrible thing, and she knew that she had to get Jacob away because he also needed to protect that birthright. So Rebecca and Isaac were also unhappy with Esau's choice of a wife, because he, they did not choose from their people. He married a Canaanite instead of an Israelite or a Hebrew, which was in their faith. So Rebecca persuaded Isaac to send Jacob to her country to find a wife. She told Jacob that time would cool Esau's anger and make him forget what was done to him. So Jacob went on his way to his mother's country to find a wife and let his brother cool off. So Jacob did traveled to a place called Paddan Aram and found the home of his mother's brother, his uncle Laban. He stayed with Laban and worked for him. Laban asked what Jacob would like for wages for his work. Well, Laban had two daughters. Leah and Rachel. From the moment their eyes met, Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel. So he would work seven years for Rachel to be his wife. So after the seven years went by, Jacob asked for Rachel's hand in marriage. Laban had a big party to celebrate the marriage. That night, Jacob went to the tent where his wife was waiting for him. And the next morning, the deceiver found himself. To be deceived it was not rachel who was with him but her older sister leah jacob was very angry he told laban he'd worked seven years for rachel and wanted to know why he had been deceived hmm really well laban had to tell him it was their custom in their country that the younger daughters could not marry before the older ones so he compromised with him and said, hey, let's give Leah her bridal a week and then you can marry Rachel. But the only downfall is you got to work another seven years for your second wife. So he worked a total of 14 years just to get Rachel. So between them and two other maidservants as surrogates for Leah and Rachel, Jacob had 12 sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Joseph, and Benjamin, and one daughter, Dinah. So let's talk about Joseph. He's the final account in Genesis. So Joseph takes center stage here, towards the end of Genesis. So he begins to have dreams of himself being bowed down to by his brothers and even his parents. This made his brothers really angry. Well, not only that, but they were also jealous of Joseph because Joseph was their father's favorite son. Well, after all, he was the firstborn of Rachel, his beloved wife. So the brothers decided to get together and plot to get rid of him. They originally planned to kill him, but was talked out of that idea by Reuben. Thank you, Reuben. So instead, they put him in an empty empty cistern. That's another word for pit. So Reuben planned on going back for him. But while he was away, the other brothers, led by Judah, decided to sell him to some Midianite merchants on their way to Egypt. So what the brothers did was he took his coat of many colors that his father gave him and took it to their father after dipping it in blood and made Jacob believe that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Poor Jacob was so distraught and mourned the quote-unquote death of his favorite son. Well, What happened to Joseph, you might ask? Well, the Midianites sold Joseph to Potiphar. He was one of Pharaoh's officials, which is basically like the captain of the guard. But God was with Joseph, and he found favor with Potiphar and became in charge of Pharaoh's house. And God blessed Potiphar's house because of Joseph. But after a time, Joseph was falsely accused of a crime by Potiphar's wife and was sent to prison. The Lord was still with Joseph and granted him favor with the prison guard. Now Joseph oversaw all that happened in the prison, and because he was successful in the prison, the guard kind of just let them alone. So after a time, Pharaoh became angry with two of his officials and sent them to the same prison as Joseph. During their stay, each of them had a dream. but They could never understood the meaning of it. Now, Joseph possessed a remarkable gift for interpreting dreams. And he told them what the dreams meant. The chief cupbearer, or we call the butler, would be restored to the house of Pharaoh. That's good news for him. But the chief baker, well, he didn't get as good news as the cupbearer. He was going to be executed. So Joseph told the cupbearer to have them that he's been falsely accused and sent to prison and asked to mention him to Pharaoh when he came when he went back to his place. But the cupbearer forgot all about him when he went back into his position. So some more time went by and Pharaoh had two dreams that really troubled him. All of his wise men and all of his magicians in Egypt could just not interpret them for him. But this reminded the cupbearer that he had forgotten the man who interpreted his dream and the chief baker's while they were in prison. So the cupbearer told Pharaoh about Joseph and and Pharaoh asked for Joseph to be sent to him. So Pharaoh told Joseph about his dreams and asked if he could interpret them. Well, Joseph told Pharaoh he was not able to tell Pharaoh what his dreams meant, but God would give him the, the meaning. So after Pharaoh explained the dreams, Joseph was able to interpret the dreams as seven years of plenty to eat, followed by seven years of terrible famine. He told Pharaoh that he should put someone in charge who could take part of the abundance and store it up for the years of the famine. So Pharaoh kind of liked this plan and decided that Joseph, should be the man in charge. Chapter 41 verse 37 tells us that Pharaoh said this. Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God? This Pharaoh acknowledged God. That's huge in the Egyptian history. Because Pharaoh thinks he's a. All Pharaohs think that they're gods. But this particular Pharaoh acknowledged. God who created Heaven and the Earth. So Pharaoh made Joseph a second in command, which was the next level under Pharaoh. So Joseph got to work during the years of plenty, storing up excess grain to be used during the famine. The Bible says that Joseph was thirty years old at this time. So a lot of time had passed since he was betrayed by his brothers, but Joseph needed this time to be prepared for the big job that had that God had for him. God always has a plan. So back home, Joseph's family was affected by the famine. Jacob sent his sons to buy grain in Egypt, but had to keep Benjamin behind because he could not bear to lose another one of his sons by his beloved Rachel. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. So he decided to test his brothers To see if they had changed, he accused them of being spies. They were afraid and they tried to explain that they were all brothers, and that their father and youngest brother were at home, and they had another brother who was no more. But Joseph had to tell them that they must bring their youngest brother to him to prove their story. Well, the brothers were afraid and thought they were being punished for what they did to Joseph. So Joseph had Simeon bound and sent the other brothers on their way to bring their younger one. But it took a lot of convincing from the brothers to Jacob to allow them to do this. They brought him to Joseph to prove their innocence. So when they got back to Egypt, Joseph's like, Come eat lunch with me. And asked about their father. He was so moved by seeing his younger brother Benjamin that he had to leave for just a little bit to compose himself. So he then gave his servants instructions to put a silver cup in Benjamin's sack. So after the brothers left for home, they were pursued by Joseph's men and were told to open their sacks because someone had stolen Joseph's cup. The brothers could not understand. They said, well, if one of them had the cup, he should die, and the others would go free. Or, in the other, you know, so to serve Joseph. But the men said that whoever had the cup would go back and serve. The others would be free to go. When the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, the brothers were so upset that they tore their clothes. They just kind of ripped them. They weren't naked, but they were like were so upset that they, they tore their clothes. They couldn't leave Benjamin. They couldn't do that to their father. Because he would never get over it. So when they got back to Joseph, they all offered to be his servants. Joseph told them that only Benjamin had to remain. The rest were able to go free. The brothers explained that the boy's brother was dead, and Benjamin was the only son left of his mother, and that their father loved him dearly. He would not be able to stand his other son being taken away from him. Judah offered to take Benjamin's place so that their father would not be grieved. When Joseph heard this, he was overcome with emotions by their willingness to sacrifice themselves for Benjamin. He told his attendants that were there to leave him and revealed himself to his brothers. Well, this this made them more afraid. But Joseph told them not to be distressed or angry. With themselves about what happened. Their intentions were evil, yes, but God took that and meant it for good so that many lives would be saved, especially during the famine. Joseph told his brothers to go back, grab their father and all their families and come back to Egypt and live with him so that they can be taken care of by their brother Joseph during the rest of the famine, and that's what they did. Sometimes we can't see the good in our circumstances or how God may be working something out in our lives through His plan, but like Joseph, we should do what is before us to the best of our ability and allow God to do what. He does best. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about what was happening during the time of Genesis. So, chapters 3 and 4 marked the beginning of written language. Chapters 4 and 7 saw the birth of the music industry, the use of bronze and iron tools, and the remarkable advancements in farming and um, shipbuilding. Chapters 10 through 12 witnessed the emergence of a The great civilizations of India, China, Egypt, and Greece. Under the reigns of Nimrod in Babylon. Chapters 22 and 23 saw the construction of all inspiring megalithic structures in Sparta, which is in Greece. And the building of ancient pyramids in Egypt. Chapter 25 portrays the chilling ice age. And the establishment of the city of Ur Falls... While chapter 50 describes the rise of the first Assyrian empire and the groundbreaking law code of Hammurabi, a descendant of Nimrod of Babylon. These events shaped the course of our human history and their impact is still felt today. Well guys, I want to thank you so much for joining me on my very first episode of the podcast, The Lord's Word with Lo. I just want you guys to know that I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram if you guys want to come follow me and stay up to date with what's going on. If you don't mind, I'd like to pray with you. Lord, I thank you so much for all the accounts in Genesis. From the day that you created the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, to all the animals that we see. But we thank you, Lord, for creating us so we can continue to be like you we thank you Lord for being with us throughout the flood from Noah's time Lord we thank you Lord for being with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob during their times of faith I thank you Lord for Joseph for the account of his life that well I want you what was meant for evil you meant it for good. We just ask that you just let us fall into the plan that you have created for us. We may be taking different paths to that same plan, but we are going into the same plan, which is being in heaven with you. I thank you so much, Lord, for keeping your hand upon us during these trying times of the earth, Lord. I ask that every listener that is with me on this podcast today to protect them and their families, Lord. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate this support from all of my listeners. You have a rest of your day, and let us read the Lord's word together.